take a big sip of my gamer girl piss. And let's get I think started. it was great how you did that right as there was a motorcycle revving right by me. <laughs> That's me getting cranked for the podcast. <laughs> I'm getting it's revved motorci- up. It's an excite bike in your brain. Uh, that's that's exactly the, that's the, my podcast noise. That's how <laughs> I help center myself before podcasts. Anyway, would you? I would. I shall begin the introduction. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Video Games Are the Worst Thing on Earth. I am your host, Alton. With me, as always, is Reese. Yo! And today, we have a special guest with us, Terry Bolvanga. How do you pronounce that? Bolvanga. Bolvanga. Okay. Like a kangaroo. Bolvangaroo. What up, Terry? How's it going, folks? And we we have something very different for you today, I think. We've got... Instead of focusing on gamers and how repulsive they are, which we might talk about at some point, but today's episode is mainly going to be focused upon video game music. And it's going to be something very personal, because we're not just going to go through, oh, top 10 songs that we love from video games. We have, each of us has picked five songs from when we were growing up, that really sort of stuck with us and we're going to talk about those games and what they meant for us and what we're we were you know like what we remember about them when we were growing up and i think it's going to be very interesting and insightful and we learn more about each other alton and i don't quite have uh, as good a music background uh, we have invited our good friend terry to have uh, strong nerdy music-based opinions <laughs> i'm the professional here yes <laughs> exactly Clanging by a thread, but nevertheless. (laughs) (laughs) He has a SoundCloud and everything. It's incredible. I'm assuming you have a SoundCloud, so that joke works. No one gets to know that. Oh, okay. (laughs) No one gets to know that. That's a pet project. I am am just of the scholarly bourgeois when it comes to video game music. (laughs) The lofty heights of video game music appreciation. He's a doctor of Super Nintendo tunes. And, uh, that, that's why we had him on. That's the only good stem is chiptune. <laughs> Imagine if like Elon Musk decided that he was going to make chiptunes with, with grinds. Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't they even broke know. Up. What, yeah. I, wait, is that official? Well, uh, they, there seems to be a lot of indicators that they've broken up. One, Elon Musk is extremely embarrassing. Two, they've <laughs> unfollowed each other on all the social media, which is, to me, as close as a confirmation as you can get in these crazy days. Of- yeah, mm-hmm. in the year of your Lord 2018, like, that's just what it is. You <laughs> see that unfollow come in, and it's like, uh, yep, shit's over. Yeah, so my dream of uh, Elon Musk Grimes chiptune music of Dr. Mario theme song remixes is is just never gonna come to fruition. I'm afraid. I'm, God, really imagine sad. like if he imagine like Grimes working on a new album and he's like, "You should sample the F Zero song." <laughs> <laughs> hey, Grimes, did you know that there's this really cool video game called Mortal Kombat, and I think it has a really cool theme song that I, you can incorporate into your music. <laughs> I love how- 
<laughs> I love how your your impression of Elon Musk's voice is like super German. It is. It's not the first time German Elon Musk has visited the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it will be the last. Okay. You want to get us into this this first pick and tell us what you what you picked as your your number one pick. You know, when you guys pitched uh, kind of what we were doing in this episode to me and you were like, you know, pick songs that you remember like fondly from your upbringing and stuff and not just not just stuff that you think is like really good music that you might not even have like a super kind of a big affinity for the game. Right. Um, And so it did get me to think about like certain games that I played a lot growing up, but might not even really think about anymore because I've just kind of grown up and gotten past it, but then also had music that was really kick ass. One of the songs that I chose was from King of Fighters Round 2, which was for the Neo Geo Pocket Color, which I'm very sad that I do not have that anymore. I lost that sometime or another because that's quite a rarity. The song that I chose is pretty similar to like the Mortal Kombat theme song. You could hear it there. This is just a hella chiptune song. This is what I was listening to as I was screaming because I didn't know how to do diagonal Z uppercut punches. <laughs> of course, you guys are in tune. Yeah, I really dug that. Um, I am not familiar with the Neo Geo Pocket at all, but that kind of chiptune sound sounds really good. Is the music in general with Neo Geo Pocket, is that different or have any kind of, do, or if you, if you know, from like the Neo Geo in general, or is it trying to emulate that? Well, you know, one of the interesting things that I found out from uh, like looking up these King of Fighters soundtracks is you know this particular soundtrack for round two was it's very slim pickings like uploaded on youtube and stuff like that so this is really one of the only maybe four or five songs that i could hear isolated unless i was going to try and listen to it from like someone doing a playthrough of the game but what i found out as well is that you know they've uploaded you know the soundtracks from like the more proper king of fighters games on like you know the bigger consoles and stuff like that you know they basically it's like the same songs but bigger arrangements since you know the technological capabilities like there was more uh memory that they could use and stuff so these songs that were on round two were very much kind of boiled down to meet 
meet kind of those requirements of a of a handheld gaming device but at the same time like i think that's such a perfect way to show like again sort of the art through adversity of like having to limit something down but still making it sound like a cool ass thing they have a lot of different kind of like synth voices going on in that song in particular not that in any way shape or form having more options and bigger budget or whatever makes for a worse song but there's a couple of songs from my list too that has that stripped down chips tunes aesthetic and it's like i don't know if it's nostalgia or what it really is satisfying to listen to in a way that a more robust version like people do orchestral covers of Mega Man 2 music etc all the time it just it doesn't hit that same sweet spot Mm. in a way and i don't i don't know why that is but i definitely think that's true i have a i have a lot of thoughts about like the elaborate covers of very modest video game songs i will probably get into it more as we kind of listen to more of these chip tunes i don't want to like go overboard so early on uh one thing i want to contribute this is a a song that i hadn't i did not put on my list ultima underworld has a really really dope intro theme I think that it would be very difficult to capture the the feeling of that song trying trying to translate it from its original MIDI tune to a like an orchestral score. Do you know what I mean? For sure. It has a unique quality. You know, even the the limitations of the technology give gives it like a unique quality and feel that you can't really replicate with by, you know, doing it the the proper way, quote unquote. Anyway, yeah, so shifting completely away from chiptunes to actual orchestral soundtracks uh, on, on CD in, like, the early 2000s comes a game that I'm not sure a lot of people have heard about called Arcanum. But basically, Arcanum was developed by some of the ex-members of Black Isle and the people who developed Fallout. They created something that mechanically is very similar to Fallout, but setting is completely different. It's basically this world of magic that went through the Industrial Revolution. And the forces of technology and magic are basically in complete conflict with each other because... It's kind of weird, but basically strong technology messes up magic and strong magic messes up technology. So like if a wizard, like if you're a wizard, they, and you try to ride the train, they make you ride like the caboose that's like lined with lead or something (laughs) to try and keep you from breaking the fucking train with your magic. And so it's a very unique concept and a very unique world. And I think that the music adds a lot of depth and feeling to it because it's sort of a very melancholy and kind of Victorian and, and it does have some steampunk elements but I don't think it's quite the to the obnoxious level that modern internet culture would would uh, recognize it so without further ado I guess we'll just go ahead and straight up play this song this is the intro music let's listen introduce me
cool. <laughs> I'm guessing the uh, the intro song for like the Technomancer characters in Arcanum are like way more like industrial dance music. No, it it all the music is done with a string quartet. I gotcha. So it like all the themes of the mu- of the game are like that. Even the combat music is like super intense uh, string quartet music, where they're like plucking chords, you know, just really wailing on that bow. A lot of trilling. Yeah. And it, I, well, uh, what what game? When did this game come out? I think it was like two thousand one. Let me double check that. One of the interesting things about sort of the growth of video game music and sort of becoming like i don't know there's so many different phases to check it where it went from you know kind of this element in a game that needed to be heavily restricted so that it it wouldn't take away from kind of the memory of like just the actual game content in there and just how much it could actually work in whatever was in the cartridge and stuff to being able to elaborate a little bit more on the sounds that are being used when you know games got on bigger systems and stuff like that and then there was also sort of this idea of like i we're going to go into kind of a, a subject that a lot of icky people like to talk about but treating games as serious art i think one of the you know one of the big ways that you could see that with video games is when they were wanting to emulate sort of these elegant uh movie scores and affixing it to their games. And there are a lot of games that, of course, do that really well, as we see throughout here. But to go back to Reese's point, as we were talking some time ago, there is sort of a limitation that I feel about converting game music into this super elegant, symphonic uh, type of scoring. Because I do enjoy the charm of your chip tunes. I do enjoy uh, hearing kind of the limitations of some things and, and hearing what you're still able to do within those confines. Nevertheless, it's always nice to hear some very rich strings, you know, as soothing or as intense as they can be. Yeah, and I think too, most game music is going towards the goal of setting this kind of tone and that, you know, you're going to be playing and spending a lot of time in this world if for its 99% of games. And so you need that extra kind of boost to, to kind of frame it and contextualize it because this game would feel totally differently if it had like electronic dance techno <laughs> theme to it versus that. I really don't think that Arcanum would be improved with chiptunes. In fact, I think it would be very jarring, at least since, you know, I grew up with this game. This is sort of the tone and feeling that I remember and is very heavily influenced by the music. And in a game that's sort of set in this Victorian-era fictional fantasy setting, it makes a lot of sense to use something more classical like a string like a quartet rather than going with something more minimalistic you know yeah absolutely i'm not i'm not saying one size fits all and i again like you kind of go through the history of video game music evolving things like game at the turn of you know uh, the millennium basically introducing like how much higher you can go in terms of what song choices you're going with absolutely um one point i'd like to make with this is that there was a time when on pc games there wasn't a great standardization of hardware you know they had sound blaster you had a couple of different ones and then even with the release of cds it it 
PC took a lot of time to catch up in terms of video game music, not to say that there was no good video game music on PC, but it, it wasn't standardized. A lot of times back then, people didn't even really have speakers or even like engage with PC, the sound aspect as much. So I think it's interesting, Arcanum, there wasn't that much time between kind of like the standardization of PC hardware and Arcanum. So when it has this kind of like, or rich orchestral score, it's going for this kind of like cinematic idea that uh, and soundscape that wasn't originally available uh, on the PC until if semi-recently, which in, in terms of the history of the game. Yeah, that's very true. It's something that wasn't even possible around the, around the time of like the Neo Geo and whatever. And Reese has, you have a very good point that PCs lagged behind consoles in terms of sound for ages and ages until suddenly they were way better. And I think that point, that shift kind of occurred with the move to CD because now you could just straight up put music onto mm-hmm. the disc along with the mm-hmm. game. So you didn't have to go through like this kind of funky, uh, this hardware interpretation of sheet music, basically. What yeah. you had with MIDI and uh, other kinds of video cards, it just straight up just played like CD you'd buy from the store. And I think it's interesting is it took a little while too, I think, for CD to catch up too, because a lot of times it's that the focus with these big CD games was it being entirely voice acted. So a lot of the space, you know, the seventh guest, when it came out, it just kind of had these couple of sampled loops and it was more around the video and the the audio. And so I think that this is an interesting point in time, uh, the early 2000s, when music in the PC group. So, uh, Terry, do you have anything to add to that or... Do you want to move on? To no, that? we're. I mean, we're all good there. I don't want to speak a whole lot about a game I've never played. I yeah. feel like I'm disrespecting something that you very much enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is kind of difficult just because I grew up with Arcanum. I really, really loved it. I played, I beat the game like twice. It's, it's incredible. It has a really good story. It's a shame that they were really rushed to finish it. And a lot of really interesting side quests had to be cut. But all in all, it is... It is a stellar game, and people should check it out. If they like the old-school Fallout, and if they like a kind of fantasy industrialization hybrid. But anyway, let's go. Let's move on to Reese's pick, number one. This is a UN Squadron, which, outside of the legacy, um, is probably my favorite game, just in terms of I, I played the shit out of this since when I was a kid. Um, it's a shmup where you're just in a plane and you got to kill a whole bunch of the other planes. But it's got the pretty high pixel production value. And, uh, you know, the song and the sounds has always uh, been, you know, just like really compelling and a part of that. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that once we listen to it. But yeah.
All right, so it's a short loop, but it to me it really exemplifies the game. This was the this is from the frontline base, the first mission in the game. And it's just, you know, you're out in the open skies. It's a pretty easy level. And to me, just that kind of that chiptune feeling of you're, you're flying, you're out, you're killing these bad guys. It just exemplifies the whole core of the game to me. And kind of like Super Nintendo music is definitely my favorite music as a genre of video game music. You know, that, um, I don't know what you would call it, the sequencer or whatever that, that was within the Super Nintendo. I don't know. For whatever reason, I know there's been criticisms that it over tenny or whatever but to me it's kind of like one of the best feelings and one of my favorite games for music to be considered good it's not all about being the most immaculate quality possible because then you're completely devoiding things of aesthetic if the only parameter that you're trying to set for deciding if a song is good or not is if it's created as sterily as possible because because there's obviously a virtue in having things that are kind of dirty or kind of low quality i mean people will talk about grunge and garage rock and stuff like that or again lo-fi synth music as we're kind of talking about right here i like that you put this song because like i think just kind of hearing all those different things you know you're little chip tuny organ chords in there that lead melody that's clearly trying to emulate like a like an electric guitar i think it's such a it's such a good example of what you were hearing with so many different super nintendo songs and what a lot of just uh, a big demographic of like the millennial generation who are playing these songs were you know kind of ingesting as their you know kind of music whatever lobe in their brain is growing in terms of appreciating music like you can hear a lot of different things in there one of the things that it actually reminded me of like in that song in particular was like i think again sort of talking about that synth lead that's emulating an electric guitar it's very much like the Mega Man X soundtracks like from x1 to x3 or whatever and you know i certainly played that game a lot and they're both Capcom games, so that makes that makes sense. Yeah, I've never played this uh, shoot 'em up. It's a side-scrolling shoot 'em up. Yeah, and it's it's you know it's like many that you've played, you know, Gradius or Life Force. The did you ever play Super Earth Defense Force? I don't believe I played that. It's the Super Nintendo one. I do know that there's like a new game. I've never played it before, but uh, that was like the side-scrolling shooter that I always played. I did not listen to the soundtrack to see if it would be up for consideration because I kind of figured out all of my picks but uh that's a pretty good game i should visit that soundtrack again one point i think it might be kind of interesting to make the difference in some of these picks that we have so far i think that there might be something of like a slight intergenerational difference because even though i believe we're all of the millennial generation i think i might be slightly younger than you guys i'm like 25 we don't need to bring numbers into this. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's sort of interesting to see the difference in how you guys have both selected a lot of chip tunes. And while there was, I listened to you know a lot of MIDI music when I was a small baby. One Must Fall, twenty eighty seven, and uh, Under Ultima Underworld, which I've already mentioned, both of which are just fantastic tunes and. Honestly, I could have picked some of those, but you know, we we wanted to keep the list down for time purposes. But those are both very good. I mean, I'll cop to it. I'm on. I'm right on the Milli Gen X divide, so this is a different generation for sure. And so I just wanted to just sort of highlight that as an interesting difference in that 
I basically have no uh, chip tunes in my list because when I was sort of the most formative years, I would say when I was slightly older and more cognizant of what I was doing were at that point, all the PC games had switched over to, you know, so- soundtrack audio. So I- yeah, bef- before this episode, we really had to talk Alton doing the uh, Halo 1 theme. <laughs> <laughs> We're just like, come, come on, dude. Like, everyone you, knows that one you, already. You, 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 you're so cool. I want to grow up to be just like him. When, when I'm, a, when I'm a, you know, just, I want to be Master Chief. The original pitch for this episode was just an hour-long discussion of the Halo 1 theme. <laughs> yeah. And- doesn't, doesn't that actual song play in, like, the final mission of Halo? I hardly remember that game. It plays I'm- in the th- menu man it's like if you open up think, halo it goes oh i think it plays at least a dozen times throughout the game yeah it just keeps going it's like a motif but they play all eight minutes of it <laughs> you just like you you fucking shoot a, a grunt in the face and it's like oh oh giving the covenant back their bomb that was that was I thought we were listening to the to the bot. <laughs> it just like <laughs> bait and switched it right there. Yeah, I'm so I'm so good at uh, the orchest- at uh, orchestral singing. Just like damn. But yeah, like to kind of piggyback off your point about how like we kind of have different you know set of choices between the three of us. Like that was something that I was also really kind of taking into consideration when I was picking out my songs was that like I also was hoping to like kind of fan out pretty well in terms of you know eras of sounds and like you know different different generations of video games and by video game standards not by people standards but um even though that's already like a really wonky thing but um if I can pat myself on the back I'm quite proud with uh, my spread here I, I also pat you on the back thank you this is this is the only reason why I came here. The softest backpats. <laughs> All right, so Terry, you've got your next selection coming up. Um, this next one that I want to do is from and uh, the N sixty four. This is you know kind of chip tuny, but a little more like uh, a little more elaborate because this was for the N sixty four and stuff. But it's also very synth poppy. This is from the uh, Snowboard Kid soundtrack. It's uh, Green Valley. is a rough recording of that song <laughs> <laughs> just sort of noticing that i mean i guess i really took it to picking these weird rarities off that like are sort of uploaded to youtube but not immaculate i recorded I th- it on my i recorded it on my ipod 
my original <laughs> iPod. I'm pretty sure like the the super old MP3 file that I have, which we couldn't play directly, is also basically the same version as YouTube, and also from LimeWire, like from the LimeWire. Was <laughs> that? I think it's interesting you picked a, an N64 song because N64 was it's, it's kind of weirdly a lost console in a lot of ways. It was popular, but most people I knew only had a handful of the biggest games. But watching speedrunning and stuff, there's so many other games that came out for it. A lot of them you can kind of understand the the N64 aesthetic is has that kind of rough blurriness. <laughs> it, and, it, it did it not is, it did not age gracefully. Not yeah. like the, not like some of the 8-bit and 16-bit art. And and the just having like but the music from it, I think there's there's a lot of untapped potential. Like I like that track a lot. Yeah, I mean like it it literally sounds like a church's song from like uh, over a decade before they were even a band. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like I mean this game this game as well too, like you know, has some seminal value for me. It was it was very fun to play as like, you know, a grade schooler, but also very aggravating and you know kind of had like a really stupid difficulty curve as well as not running that great in the grand <laughs> scheme like it's one of those things where again you like play it you know you revisit it at an as an adult and you're like oh man this runs like shit <laughs> yeah back back in the old nintendo 64 days i think when early 3d graphics people for whatever reason seemed to think that 30 fps was enough even on the Xbox, the original Xbox and PlayStation 2, there were a lot of games that just stuck to 30. Nowadays, we're so, I think, at least I'm incredibly spoiled with my video games that if it goes down below 60, I, I fill my, my big gamer dipe and throw my Mountain Dew across the wind, like into a window. It's very much like um, back then, like, yeah, I mean, that was the best you were going to get. And, you know, you would just lap it up and stuff. And also we were younger and we were stupid and we didn't really know how to play video games. Because that's the <laughs> other thing that you find out when you revisit old games. You're like, oh, this is easy as shit. Like, why was I like such a dumbass kid and I couldn't figure out how to, you know, oh. beat the fucking snowboard dragon or whatever the fuck the boss was. No, no, what's way worse than that is when you go back to a game you thought you were really fucking good at as a kid and you suck at it now. <laughs> That's <laughs> way worse. I like played Quest for Glory 4, which is the one that's set in spooky Transylvania. And I had a, I went into a combat with a fucking vampire bunny. And I remember really loving fighting the bunnies when I was a kid because I was good at it. And then I tried it when I was older and I was like, what the fuck? How do I do this? <laughs> it's just Terry, like, that's worse. Terry and I have never experienced that. <laughs> I, I remember one thing I did experience particularly, and I feel like I'm not alone in this too, was um, again, hanging out at a friend's house, like and they have the N64 and you're like, all right, I'm going to play all these games that I've been playing in a really long time. And one of the games I wanted to play, because I'm, you know, I, I'm a big fan of RPGs. Let's play Quest 64. I remember this game being fun. 15 minutes in, this game is fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. It is. It's the worst thing in the world. It is the worst thing on earth. It is the worst thing on this earth and other earths. <laughs> Game's still bad. They couldn't figure it out. Snowboard Kids, it really only holds up in terms of, like, you know, just me having an affinity for it. And, like, I think a lot of games, particularly in that X64 era when they run really sluggish and chunky, it's just not going to be a good game in the grand scheme. But it's sort of like, a, well, I still want to play this. I still want to be the dude that has, like, 
corn, like black corn stalks for hair as we're looking in this thumbnail <laughs> right here. And like, I want to be able to do the, you know, windmill special trick and I want to be able to parachute people. That was probably one of the coolest things about the game is that you could shoot a parachute on someone and like stall them, you know, <laughs> on the course for like 20 seconds. You just could, you could leave and like grab a snack as you're like still getting owned in the air. I think that this is a good track for kind of like our overall point of mood and setting the stage as well, because talking about the flaws in N64 games, you can listen to this track and you can see how much heavy lifting it's doing here in terms of like, looking at the box art, you know, it's supposed to be fun and, you know, this exuberant experience and the, the Grass Valley music, you can tell, I assume was like a slightly easier stage that you had fun with, whatever. It, it's, it's, it's interesting in that way too, where just like how music can do the heavy lifting in a lot of situations yeah and you know now that you also bring up the you know we're continuing to look at sort of this um, box art uh all the characters have alarmingly large noses so <laughs> I, I hope we don't triple, look the triple parentheses <laughs> snowboard kids <laughs> I, hope we, I hope we don't look into atlas and be like oh they had a past oh man www.atlasintheholocaust.com oh no all right so are we ready to move on to our next our next yeah song? let's go on ears all right this one comes from lords of magic which is a turn-based slash real-time strategy game that i played all the fucking time when I was a kid, you know? This is related to the Lords of the Realm series, which I think is a lot more uh, popular, but I didn't have that. I had Lords of Magic, and I loved it because I didn't know better. <laughs> but it's still a really good game. Um, I'm noticing a theme that I really love fantasy games, but to go back to my original point, uh, me and Reese were talking about how when we were younger... We played the games we had a lot more than we used to. And so this is one of those games that I played every single faction. I beat it with like every single faction. I played every different type of character. I did all these different crazy like custom maps for it. And I guess it embedded my itself into my childhood psyche just because I'd played it so much. But it's... I think it's really, really cool. And we're going to play. Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to play one of its tracks for the Life Faction. And it's all, you know, it's background. It's like background music, essentially. But it has a very. It has like a very unique feel. Every single faction, and there are about eight of them, has unique music that goes along with their territory. So. I'm not it, like you'd have to listen to all of them to basically get an idea of how they are different and how they actually convey the sense of that element to you. So there's like there's all these elements and they all have their opposites. So you have water and fire, earth and air, uh, life and death, chaos and order. And this sounds just like Heroes of Might and Magic. It like I said, We're there's probably cross references soon enough. Yeah, it probably has some inspiration. The one thing they did change from that is that when you get into a fight, it's real time. So instead of doing turn-based combat, it kind of switches to a more uh, real-time combat and like kind of Baldur's Gate-esque where you can pause it at any time and strategize. I gotcha. And it's really fun. 
and they do a really good job uh, making every single faction feel different and setting the tone with the music. And so without further ado, let's go and listen to the life theme music.
What uh what year did this come out? Ninety-seven. Damn, dude. That see, like, yeah, that I was really into, partly because I could kind of tell like what inspira- like what inspiration like whoever was making this music was like taking from in terms of like I hate I you know I hate to put it in these terms but like you know real musicians <laughs> um I don't mean that disparagingly but obviously like between someone who's doing music as their sole career versus someone who uh is you know like composing for a video game soundtrack at that mm. time um which is funny now because like we look at you know composers for video game music and they and they are musicians um but at the time too like 97 this is around the time that um delirium had kind of come together they split off from frontline assembly who used to be uh who is um an industrial electro-industrial band and you know they were electronic producers and they still did some industrial type of sounds a little bit of ebm and stuff but they also did a lot of world music and down tempo which is exactly what this song was in particular where you kind of have these ambient synth pads permeating and you know a lot of choral um uh, you know, synths are just actual samples of like, you know, kind of people doing lyricless singing and type and types of stuff like that. A lot of hand drums. And then in the middle of that, you kind of hear these permeating guitar harmonic travel about. And that's some really cool shit. Yeah. And I think they re- they make different themes for every uh, territory. And I would really recommend people go and check out how they differentiate these different locations. So like, for instance, they incorporate element like the very very obvious elements into some of the songs so like for the fire area you hear like smoldering and crackling in the background that sort right. of really gives you the scent this feeling of heat just from being there just from like listening to it and for water they kind of include like these almost i'm not quite sure it's sort of like a deep sea ocean noise because it's not quite like lapping waves or anything quite so obvious but it, it, a lot of filters. Yeah, they, in, this, in a way, they managed to convey the overall feeling of that faction and what they, you know, what their core belief is, just th- through the music and through the environment of where they live. Yeah, and, and I think that's you know one of the goals of composing for a video game is like whatever song you're going to be using for one certain area or one certain kind of character one certain scene Mm -hmm. it has to evoke the things that you know is about that and that's how it is essentially a part of the whole the the grand scheme of what this game is portraying and stuff and like i think you know this came out in 97 another thing that i think was very evocative of like the certain areas that it was doing was legend of zelda ocarina of time because you talk about like again i think thinking about what sounds makes you think of fire and stuff and like so you think of the fire temple and like dodongo's cavern and it's very it's it's brooding and it kind of feels you know almost magmatic which probably isn't a word but you know like you're actually in this hot ass cavern and you're just trying to get those bombs i i was thinking about ocarina of time as well because i think that this 
Like when Alton mentioned it was the the life faction, the hand drums and the kind of choral music, you know, it's got that like connected to the earth, connected to the joy of life that really works. Like I can imagine playing that game and doing whatever kind of tasks you need to do, but be listening to that, you know, you feel connected to your faction. And I think that's interesting. Yeah, all of the quests for uh, the Life Clan were just being good Samaritans, you know, helping old ladies cross the street. Well, they don't really have quests for any of the factions. Really, your only goal is to just murder everyone else and uh, destroy the Lord of Death, Balkoth. In the name of life. In the name of life, I'm fucking running you through with my stick. The United States Defense Department saw this <laughs> saw this game and took its message whole cloth. <laughs> yeah, we're the faction of freedom, and freedom and the most freedom you can be is dead. The bulwark of life. The, the, the Department of Life, as opposed to the Department of Death. Anyway, I think I I don't know what else to say about this game. I really love it. It's on GOG. If you want to check it out. Please do, or just check out the music and see how the composer highlights the differences between two opposing factions. And I'm done with that, so would you like to move on to your next pick, Reese? This one is the the newest game up on here. Well, I didn't pick just nostalgic from my childhood, because there was a couple other points that I wanted to make. And once we listen to it, um, I'll, I'll get a little bit more into it. But this is from Doom, the, the remake. The soundtrack is, when I mentioned it to Terry, he Im- implied it was a little cheesy. And that's tough <laughs> to disagree. But at the same time, I think it works really well for the game. And this is such an iconic moment in the game um it's kind of like as you come up out of the elevator and you have that intro hard rock to kind of introduce you to the world so let's let's play it is this the one where he pumps a shotgun just like oh yeah yeah no spoilers come on So yeah, short little intro, um, like Alton brought up, to me, the, the reason I picked this one specifically, because this does something that I think is extremely difficult to pull off in games, is when is to sync up the music to the gameplay in like a very specific detailed way. Like sometimes, you know, you, you'll have games where there's a couple of different mixes, and when it gets into combat, it'll fade into the, like the combat mix of the game. And I think that, you know, stuff like that is, is really works well, but it's, it's so hard to sync 
up correctly. I just find it so compelling when a game is able to do something like that. And for me, Doom and its soundtrack, this really stood out for me as as something special. And no. uh, sorry, continue. I was gonna say, uh, you know, just that whole point you're saying of having audio sync up with the gameplay that you know the the music, the score syncing up with the gameplay that you're experiencing in real time. I think a game that I, I did not put on my list, but I very much endorse. I think I told you about this a couple weeks ago too, was um, uh, Solar Fields' score for Mirror's Edge. I think that whole score is just, it's just impeccable. Like you could listen to that whole CD and never play the game and you could probably like have a good understanding of what that game is if you were just imagining in your head as you're listening to the music i think mirror's edge is a great example of uh, of music that really lines up with the gameplay really well um i went back and listened to it after we talked about it it's a great soundtrack but i i definitely feel like definitely has that that same kind of feel and just in general like i think doom is a great soundtrack because it the game itself has a very i think interesting way of dealing with that action gameplay of where unless you're running forward and shooting if you're not doing that you're playing the game wrong and i think mm-hmm. that's unlike a lot of first person shooters that wants you to play like the cover game or like has some other kind of like mechanics like the gears we- of war type of stuff exactly yeah. and i think and I think it's interesting that it's such a simple idea, but a lot of games don't fully embrace it the way Doom does. And that kind of hard, you know, metal aesthetic in No Clips had a documentary, which the, at one point that they made was how difficult it was to actually get that shotgun sync is just because of the way that games work. It's it's hard to have that like millimeter perfect sync with the animations that are going on. And the second point they make is that the game's soundtrack used to be a lot more subdued and they didn't want to have that, you know, heavy metal album cover idea from the soundtrack. And the more they just iterate it, they were just like, let's just do this. Let's just go full cheesy metal is... Uh, I mean, that's the that's the soundtrack itself also diving headfirst into the action. Exactly. 100%. And, uh, you know, I think that Mick Gordon... Uh, gave us one of the worst video game moments in music uh, with the we're not going to take it cover at the end of Wolfenstein 2. But <laughs> this is is an excellent achievement in my opinion. <laughs> and I don't have a lot of extra things to say about it. Some people some people may be allowed to have mulligans, who knows. But yeah. um, <laughs> I think one thing that really ought to be pointed out with this song in particular, and it once again highlights the different spread of choices that we picked, is that, um, you know, this for, well, when was the Doom remake again? 2016? Correct. I mean, yeah, it's, it's um, literally Doom 2016. Well, there we go. Um, <laughs> I, it's this is really. I mean, this is one of many examples of the uh, first-person shooters and action video games being based just like in the exact same sphere as action movies and stuff. Because like a song like this, you probably could have heard a handful of years ago in like uh, what's an action movie that people know. Babe, pig in the city. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, that's a that's a romance, you pleb. <laughs> Babe, pigs. Babe, pig in the city. Two is the action film. There we go. That's the gritty reboot. That's what exactly. I was thinking of right there. Yeah, but like my real you know, city stuff, pigs will know this stuff like this. You would just imagine hearing in a movie. It's like, oh no, 
this is in a video game, like, and you're just fucking shooting your guns to it and stuff like that. So it's like, mm. you know, as we seen, like, it really is just sort of intertwining with one another and like a contemporary age of this stuff of just, you know, it's all mm. guns and violence. It would have been interesting if we had talked about this immediately after the first chiptune, because when we got into Arcanum and we're talking about chiptunes for some reason, it's like the music matches the feel of the game. And that's probably the most important thing for video game music to accomplish is to enhance the feeling of the game. And sort of, and I think that both the Arcanum track and the Doom track, as well as the Chiptune track, all sort of match the games that they're tied to, which is, you know, kind of an obvious statement, but not all games manage to quite sync up with their music so well. Yeah, I I would say, and we might, I I might have to say this for when we come up to it, because I do know that it's an agenda, but like there are definitely songs that I just feel like are too just very odd choices it doesn't completely ruin the whole video game track but there's just some black sheep out there hey everybody reese here cutting in to let you know that we spent such a long time discussing music in this episode i've decided to cut it into two parts if you're enjoying the discussion head on over to part two of this episode and if you're not enjoying the discussion you can go to hell all right later The best burgers in town from all around People from around the world come and get it The line goes around like a merry-go-round Cut! Yes! You got you got to heat Yes, very good Very nicely And toast You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to cook You know, you're doing good now Come on and cut Cut! Very nice You got to heat Handle it with ease. Handle it with ease. Burgers, burgers, it's 
afford to go Any which way it is good, you know Good sauce burgers, tons of patty over Cut down the burger here, turn it patty over And cut the lettuce, don't forget the cheese about now go serve those burgers right now all right i'm off to a good start